Our children may be dismissed to Children's Church this morning. And um, I've got to say, I am constantly amazed at how the puppets every Sunday don't have a clue where I'm going in Scripture. And they just seem to jump all over it every week. Uh, That's an amazing thing to me. But we appreciate the ministry that they share with us each week. And that's a real blessing. I'm going to share with you, or ask you to share with me, actually, a song before we look to the Word today. This song is so old that when I was a little tiny boy, we were singing this song. It's so old that nobody knew it. So maybe I should just say it's a new song. Would you sing it with us? Everybody ought to know. 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 Who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know. 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 help them know who Jesus is. That's a very appropriate song for this morning and as an introduction to this message. As we turn in your Bibles with me, please, to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, That's the title that's in, in my Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some Bibles say the revelation from Jesus Christ. And both are correct, and maybe I'll have a little bit about to say that, uh, more about that in a few moments. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, sometimes I never know where I'm going to end up when I get started. But I want to share with you today, we have in this church, um, in the last 21 years, 
I think we have gone through studies on the book of Revelation three separate times, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, This morning, I'm going to take a very different approach than what I've ever taken before. Because when we study the book of Revelation, the things that captivate people's attention the most. That's an intentional pause. I'm not searching for something. The things that captivate people's attention the most are the things that are the least important in the book of Revelation. People want to talk about 666. People want to talk about the beast. People want to talk about the 144,000. People want to talk about all kinds of things that don't even come close to being what the book is really all about. So this morning over the next few moments, I'm going to submit to you and then I'm going to attempt to prove to you and demonstrate to you that when the title of this book in your Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ, that is the most important thing in this book. This book, the book of Revelation, reveals to us Jesus Christ. And somehow when we study through the book, that's the thing, uh, Jesus probably gets uh, less airtime, if you will, less study time than all the other things and the questions that surface. But really when it comes right down to it, this book is about revealing Jesus Christ to us. How many of you would agree that we need a good revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives? We need that. We need that badly. And that's what we have provided for us here. So as we, we're not going to read the whole book. We're not going to read from every chapter. We're not even going to read one whole chapter. But I'm going to be skipping around. But most of our, most of our text today will come from the revelation of Jesus Christ chapter one. And you'll note, of course, that it was written by John or recorded by John. John was one of the Lord's 12 disciples. He is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, which begins like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without anything made, there was nothing made. And then verse 14 of that first chapter in John says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You're familiar with that passage. Then we come to uh, 1 John, the letter, not the epistle, or not the gospel now, but now a letter, an epistle that John wrote, 1 John, and he begins it like this. That which was in the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, heard with our ears, and our hands have handled of the word of life, that we declare unto you that your joy might be full. So in the Gospel of John, he opens up with this powerful nugget about who Jesus is. In 1 John, he opens up with this powerful truth about I'm going to be talking to you about someone that I know about. Somebody that I talked to, somebody that I shook hands with, somebody that I embraced. I heard him speak. I saw him with my own eyes. I heard him talk. I saw him perform miracles. He's not giving a second-hand revelation. He was an eyewitness. So then when we turn to the book of Revelation, and now 
the, the title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ and God, John is recording this, I think probably we need to pay attention to what he's got to say. When he sees in this vision, as we'll read just a moment, this one like the Son of Man. There's been very, very few people who walked on the face of this earth that ever knew the Son of Man like John did. He was with him for three years and saw all his miracles and heard all of his teaching. And, and he recognized that Jesus was the Son of God and was the Son of Man. Son of Man is a title for Jesus quite often through the Scripture. One that Jesus used himself, referred to himself. He, he often referred to himself as the Son of Man. Very seldom did Jesus ever, if ever, refer to himself specifically as the Son of God. So as we keep that into mind and then begin to read this, I'd like for us to give attention to, first of all, John reveals to us the nature of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the revealing of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, understanding who Jesus Christ is. And when we do that, we're going to have to come up to this conclusion as we look to the Word of God that Jesus Christ is not just a man. Jesus Christ was deity. If you believe that, would you say amen? See, the Bible says that Jesus, His name would be Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. And he was not just a man, he was God manifest into the flesh. And when we look at Jesus, we see the Son of God, we see God manifest in the flesh. And you're familiar with those passages of Scripture in the Old Testament that talk about wonderful Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, all talking about Jesus. It's an amazing verse of Scripture. And then so we began in this text today, and as you read in, in Revelation chapter 1, I've extracted from it these phrases on the screen that you'll see, where the Bible speaking about him says, who is, who was, and who is to come. That's Jesus, of course. Um, as you, I'll go ahead and proffer this for you. That as you read in this passage and you began reading it and you first read those words, who is, who was, and who is to come, you probably are going to get the idea that it's talking about God the Father, most likely. But then as you continue reading, you're going to read these words. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We were singing that earlier, if you recall. The, another phrase in that first chapter says that he is the first and the last who lives and was dead. Now, let's focus on those for just a moment. It begins by what would appear to be a description of the Father, God on his throne. And then as you keep reading, you understand there's more to it than just that because it talks about the Alpha and the Omega. The omega. The, the Alpha and the Omega are the A and the Z in the Greek alphabet. The first letter Alpha, the last letter Omega in the Greek alphabet. I'm, I'm the A to the Z, the Lord says. I'm the beginning and the end. I've shared with you where John has already confirmed twice in other places in scripture that, that Jesus, um, was there in the beginning. He was the beginning. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So Jesus was there in the beginning, the Son of God was there in the beginning. So not only is He the Alpha and Omega, He's the beginning and He's the end. He's the first and the last and everything in between, I might imagine. And then I will tell you this, the Bible says, and this confirms it like nothing else does, the one who lives and was dead. You tell me who lived and then died and then was resurrected from the dead. The Bible says he's the first fruits of those that slept. And that's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He, he was, who is, and was, and is to come. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the one who lives and was dead. He's been resurrected. And then we see this word, the Almighty. Now, I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to be deliberate. I'm taking a little bit of time on this introduction here in this first area because I think we need this. A pastor's job is to be a pastor teacher. So I want to do a little bit of teaching this morning if you'll bear with me and think with me. When you read this passage and many other passages in the book of Revelation and many other passages in the Bible, sometimes it's hard to discern if we're talking about the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that's, we struggle with that. Which, which one is being referred to here? And because we want to be so precise sometimes, teachers and preachers have, have tried to bear down on that sometimes and really make this distinction. And, and please don't misunderstand me. There is a distinction. There is the Father and there is the Son and there is the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we try to separate them to the point that we almost uh, violate what Scripture teaches. Because you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus also said, I and the Father are one. And even in this book of the Bible, when we get to the seven churches of Asia in chapters 2 and 3... And it's written in red letters, which indicates that it's the words of Jesus. But yet, at the end of each letter, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So you see where we might try to assign one particular area of Scripture to one part of the Trinity. And then we turn right around and find out the other one was involved too. And so I want I want to to share with you just a moment. I had this inspiration this morning and I got on the phone, two or three different people said, would you bring me an egg? I couldn't find anybody. Everybody was already here. (laughs) And I finally called Tony. I said, could you bring me an egg? He said, just a regular egg? I said, yeah, just a regular egg. He said, okay. So he came in this morning and he, he didn't bring me an egg. He bought me two eggs. I guess he thought I was really hungry or either I might drop one. But I'd like to use this egg as an illustration if I could. Because in our attempt sometimes to define the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, here's what people say. If you've talked with people about the Trinity, and I believe in the Trinity. Do you believe in the Trinity? I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But here's what you hear people say. You'll hear people proffer this argument because they say, you Christians are all messed up. You say there's one God, and then you turn around and say there's three gods. No, we don't say that at all. 
and, and that genders questions, people are trying to, to figure out, well, what does it mean? That you, you're saying that, that the Son is God, and you're saying that the Spirit's God, and you're saying that's the Father, but then you're saying you, you serve one God, and they can't figure that out. So I want to give you just a couple of illustrations that might help us, and I want to, before I do that, introduce it by saying this. There's a lot of things in this world I don't understand. Amen? Listen, I do not understand for the life of me how I can take this out of my phone. This has actually happened. I have been in Washington State, or I have been in California, or I have been in the Bahamas, and my phone would ring, and I would pick it up and answer it, and it would be one of you. Now... For the life of me, I cannot understand how somebody can dial my phone number and wherever I am in the United States of America and beyond, my phone rings. I don't understand that. How does that, how does that signal trace me down so quickly? I mean, it's like you call and I answer. And you didn't know where I was or what tower I was at. I do not know how that signal can trace me all over the United States and find me where I am in some podunky little town in Washington State. I can't figure that out. I do know I'm smart enough to, to say it works because I've experienced that it works, but I can't explain it. And a text and how you can take a picture. You can take a selfie of yourself. And you can text it to everybody in the United States and they get it instantly. How does that picture go through the air and go to everybody's phone? Have you thought about this? What's going on in the airways? There are texts and there are emails. And there is television. Oh yeah. Remember the days when we, when all we had to do was turn our television on and we'd pull in out of the out of midair, we'd turn, pull it in. A signal. If I had a transistor radio, y'all don't even know what that is, some of you. I'm dating myself, aren't I? Don't even have them anymore. Now we use iPods. And I think that's outdated now. There's something else they use. Anyway, I can turn a transistor radio on and there's no wires connected to anything. And I'm, I remember when I was a little boy and I had one, sometimes at night I'd turn a transistor radio on and I could pull in a station from New York City. I was, How in the world can I get New York City this far away? And I'm not connected at all. It's in the air. This past week, I spent some time with mom and dad, and we we went to um, Kentucky. And was that this week? That was last week, wasn't it? That was last week. We went to Kentucky and saw our uh, my nephew, their grandson, graduate from medical school. Drove to Kentucky on Friday and came back on Saturday. Well, I use this thing. What I use it for? I use GPS. And, and we were somewhere during our time together and this, this lady on the phone, she says, you are now eight miles away. You will arrive at 524. And dad spoke up and said, how in the world can they follow you where you are, know exactly where you are and how much time it's going to take you to get there and tell you what time it's going to be. Now, we may have some geniuses in the building this morning that can explain all that, but I'm going to tell you, I can't. I know it's real, and I know it works, but I can't explain it. Anybody with me? That's a lot the way God is. 
I, I shared those examples with you. That's not strange. We accept that every day. I don't understand how electricity works, but I got better sense than to stick my tongue in a salt wall socket. Cause I know if I do, something's gonna happen, right? I don't, I just don't understand things, but I know they work. And I know that what the Bible says about God is true. Now, just as an illustration, somebody tell me, I better hold on to this thing good. It's wet. I will fall right out of my hand. And I'll have to use my spare that Tony bought me. Now, what do I hold in my hand? Is it true that inside this egg, there's something yellow that's called a yolk? Is that egg? Yeah. And also inside that egg, there's something else. We usually refer to it as the white of an egg. It's the part you find on banana pudding. And that's about the only white of an egg I like, because the rest of it I can't hardly eat. But it's in there. All egg has an egg white, it has a yolk, and it has a shell. Now, if I'm telling you the truth, tell me amen. But it's all egg, isn't it? Well, how can you say it's all egg if you get the point? This this is so simple. The yolk and the white and the shell are all egg, right? Yes. Well, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all God. Think about, think about this. Now, this is water, incidentally, in case you're wondering. I better put these eggs up. I'm being a mess up here. Somebody tell me what's in the bottle. Water, H2O. This is a liquid, am I right? This is liquid. If I put it in the freezer for an hour, it becomes a solid. Amen? But it's still water, right? And then if I put it in a pot and set it on the stove and turn the burner up on high, in about two or three minutes, it's going to be steam, but it's still water, right? right? So water can take the form of a vapor, which is steam or a cloud or fog. Water can take the form of a solid, which would be ice, or water can take the form of a liquid, but it's all water. Am I right? right. So why should then we think it's so strange to, to look at what the Bible says about God and recognize God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, and think it's strange. I don't see that strange at all. We see examples of it all around us. All we need to do as human beings, and I'll remind you that we are not the creator, we are the creation. God made us. Listen, God is omnipresent, that means he's everywhere. He's omnipotent, that means he's all powerful. And he's omniscient, that means he knows everything. And I'll promise you there's not a person in this building today that can measure up to either one of those three. Certainly not all three. All powerful, all knowing, and omnipresent. Everywhere at the same time. That, that illustrates that God is different than we are. God is greater than we are. How could we ever even think that we could ever understand God? He is the potter, we're the clay. It is He that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. And how could we ever? It'd be like an earthworm trying to explain how man walked on the moon. It just is not going to happen. And it is not possible for you or I to fathom and understand fully God. God is bigger. God is greater. 
he's, the grammar doesn't sound great, okay, but he's on a whole other level than we are. God is spirit. God is eternal. We are flesh. And certainly not able to fully comprehend and explain God. So, when we read the scripture, like we're reading, let's understand that it's never going to be possible for us to to sort out every little nuance and detail. It's a great blessing, my friends, if we get to the point where we can just say, I believe the Bible. Because trying to sort it all out and explain it and, and deal with some of the things that people raise, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Amen? It is not a foolish or an unreasonable thing to be a Bible believer. As a matter of fact, that will say more about your intelligence than anything I know is to hear somebody say, I believe the Bible. Now, the world will try to make you look like a fool. They'll try to make you believe because you don't think man came from monkeys and scum on a pond that you're an idiot. But I'm going to tell you, I don't believe man came from monkeys or scum on a pond. I believe that God made man in his likeness and image. And he created us and he created everything that exists. So we're just Bible believers in this church. And we believe according to the nature of Jesus Christ, we believe He's the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. We believe he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We believe he's the first and the last who lives and was dead. And we believe he is the Almighty. That's who Jesus is. I'm going to ask you to join with me with this song right where you're seated as we honor this one who was given such praise and such honor and extolled so highly in scripture. Let's sing this together. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Yeah.
would encourage you when you go home this week to take a good look at Revelation chapter 1. Just the first chapter and read it and reread it and look at Jesus portrayed there for us. A wonderful, wonderful thing. Deity indeed. Now, we'll turn our attention for just a moment to his purpose. What was the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he's the Lamb of God, the scripture tells us. As we look into the first chapter, the Bible says he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Boy, I'm thankful for what Jesus did, aren't you? I'm going to tell you that to understand that, to comprehend that is such a wonderful thing. In Revelation chapter four, there were, there's this account that John is able to see and he sees in verse eight of chapter four, four living creatures, each having six wings. They were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, and you'll read this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 as well. These angelic beings are crying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne... Who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him. Who sits on the throne and worship him. Who lives forever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying. You are worthy O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they exist. And were created. And then we get to chapter 5, because as you envision here God sitting on the throne, chapter 5, verse 1 says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. John says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Verse 6, and I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Verse 7, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he, Jesus, the Lamb of God, had taken the scroll The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Notice that when the Lamb stood up, 
They sang a new song. This was not an old song. This was not turned to page 200 in the hymnal. When the Lamb stood up to take these scrolls, they sung a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, listen to what they're saying. They're all worshiping. They're all praising. They're all singing a new song. Listen to what they're saying. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. And all that are in them. I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And may I suggest to you that this is absolutely going to happen. This is not just metaphor because the Bible says there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, the Lamb of God. I'd like for you to sing with me now if you would. These words that we just read. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy.
looked at his nature. We've looked at his purpose. I want to look briefly at his future. And we turn our attention to the second coming. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, Behold, just look. He is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Just this week, I should have seen this years ago. But just this week as I read the first chapter that describes the Lord Jesus Christ in so many beautiful ways. I see that now as an outline for the rest of the book. And all these different things have scripture after scripture that plug into this revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and complete it and help us understand more. Yes, he is coming with clouds just as he went away in the clouds and every eye will see him. But the Bible tells us in Revelation 19 and before that there will be trouble on this earth. Amen. There will be tribulation. There will be difficulty. And I'm going to read chapter 19 verses 11 through 16 as we come to a close here in, in just a few minutes. Where the Bible says, now we're talking about the future of Christ now. What Jesus is going to do at some point in the future. Now I saw heaven opened. And behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. I can't help but read that, but think about all the people now in our culture in the United States of America who are opposing God, become anti-God, fighting the word of God, mocking the people of God. It's a sad thing. Because the Bible says he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And may I just put this addendum to that. And no one can defeat him. He is the victor. He is the victor. There will be and there are difficult times here on this earth today. But I'm going to share with you based on a promise or several promises actually from God's word. And the ones that are on my mind right now, of course, are the ones written to the book of Revelation, are the books written to the 
uh, churches of Asia in the book of Revelations, chapters 2 and 3. And if you'll read those letters, every single one of them, every single one of them has these words. If you are an overcomer, I will do this. I'm paraphrasing. If you are an overcomer, I will give you this. And something different is named in each case. If you are an overcomer. And for those who are overcomers, they will receive this. I want to promise you today, you can be an overcomer. You don't have to be defeated by the devil. You don't have to be defeated by the sin of this world. As a matter of fact, you don't have to be defeated at all. You can be an overcomer. That's a promise of the word of God. Let's sing a song that um, brings that home for us. We will when Satan and his armies, I can't say, come against the Lord. In that context, we read this verse in Revelation 17, verse 14. These will make war with the Lamb. That's a frightful thought to me that anybody would make war against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But they will. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. 
every once in a while when I'm reading the Bible, there'll be something, a phrase that'll just absolutely jump off the screen at me or jump off the Bible at me. And just, it's like there's a flashing light on it. And that happened to me this week as I read that verse. You think about people coming against the Lamb of God. People being against God, fighting against God, fighting against His Word, fighting against Christians. They can't win. They're going to be defeated. We're going to be overcomers. But look at the key. Those, those short few words there. And those who are with Him. <coughs> And those who are with him. And I have to ask you the question today. Are you with him? As they would say perhaps in the mountains. Are you for him or are you against him? Are you for the Lamb of God? Are you with the Lamb of God? Or are you against the Lamb of God? It's one or the other. What a wonderful thought. And those who are with him. I'll tell you what, I want to be with the Lord Jesus. Today and every day and all the way throughout eternity. I want to be on his side. I want to be with him. We've looked at just a smattering, just the tip of the iceberg in the book of Revelation about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'd like for you to sing with all your heart this wonderful song of praise and adoration. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Would you sing it like you're trying to do that all by yourself? You're trying to crown him Lord of all. Let's sing.
ask you this very simple question. Do you know Jesus? Our Lord and Savior. Jesus, the Son of God. Have you ever seen Him or shared of His favor? Jesus, the Son of God. Would you think seriously about that question as we sing this, our last song, before we pray together? As we sing this, if you're here and you know you need to, uh, you just need to make sure your relationship with Jesus is what it should be. Maybe you want to make sure you are with Him. Make sure you are in fellowship with Him. If, if so, while we sing this hymn, I'm going to invite you to come and talk with the Lord. Do you know Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son?
to us everything from his pre-existence to his birth and his life and his crucifixion and burial and resurrection and the fact that he's coming back again one day to be victor over this earth and all of us who serve him all of us who are committed to him all of us who have fellowship with him we're going to be overcomers and we're going to be victors on that day thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the crown jewel of the Bible, Jesus Christ. For the crown jewel of this passage, Jesus Christ. The apple of your eye. 
Lord, the one to whom all things are going to eventually be turned over to according to the Bible. We thank you for that today. Thank you that he's our Savior and our Lord. Somehow, Lord, take this word that's been shared today, your holy word, and these hymns that we've sung and these songs and and cause it to take root in our hearts to realize that Jesus has got to be first in our life. Lord, we can't go through life ignoring him. We certainly don't want to go through life forsaking him or shoving him into the background. But just as surely as Jesus is the primary focus of revelation, Jesus should be the primary focus of our lives. Seek ye first, you said, the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we thank you today. Lord, bless this congregation today. Be with them this week. Keep them safe from harm and danger. And may we all walk in the light of your word and do that which pleases you only. For I ask it in the name of Jesus this day. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you and thank you for being here today.